If you are one of our regular listeners, then you have heard over the years about how Pampers swaddlers were an integral part of my girls' lives and mine when they were in diapers. That's because I always depended on swaddlers to make my life, well, easier. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe-Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back ways to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swaddlers have always given me ease of mind, knowing that leaky diapers were not in our future. And since I love swaddlers, they are also one of my go-to baby shower gifts. Now, with the new Pampers Diaper Stash, gifting and receiving diapers is a whole lot easier. Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund where you, your friends, and family can contribute to a group gift of an online diaper stockpile. Here's how it works. Create a surprise Diaper Stash account for a new parent or expecting parent in your life. Then share the account with friends and family so they can contribute. From there, watch your stash grow, and when it has reached its goal, give the stash to the parents-to-be. They can use the stash funds to buy Pampers diapers and wipes anywhere they'd like. For any new parents in 2024, the Pampers diaper stash is the best new way for friends and family to say, we got you. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. Raquel Dominguez has had the type of ascent from assistant to creative executive that is the stuff of Hollywood lore. At OBB Media, she oversees content and strategy for Hailey Bieber, Kylie Jenner, Demi Lovato, and Kevin Hart. We talk about how she made the impossible leap, and so quickly, her insights on developing ideas around talent, and how the simple act of offering to help set her apart. Raquel, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You know, I was reading your LinkedIn and laughing to myself about your BA from Notre Dame that is both in theater and political science. Like, I identify very much with a person who didn't want to be forced to choose. Yes. <laughs> well, that's funny that you checked my LinkedIn because I haven't updated that in forever, which is tip number one, update that. But yeah, in college, I went in thinking I wanted to be a lawyer. So I, I went in poli-sci econ, double major. And I was like, let's do this. And you have to take an elective at Notre Dame, a fine arts elective. And I took intro to film and TV. And I was like, oh, like, this is a class. Like, this is a job that like people have. They work and they do this. Um, well, that's exciting. But as the years went on, it became just much more clear to me that I wanted to have a job where I could hopefully have a little bit of fun or be creative or have a, some balance of both. But I work with a lot of lawyers and like need those people. So also great job. I am glad that you have not updated your LinkedIn because part of what it reveals as a sort of archive at this point 
are what those few years after college look like for someone who wants to break into entertainment but is not from LA, doesn't have those connections, which is I can almost sense you feeling your way through it. After you graduate, you do PR for a company, you get your foot in the door as an assistant at an independent film distributor. And I do love this line from your LinkedIn, which was completed other miscellaneous tasks as needed, (laughs) which is like 90% of being an assistant. What I want to understand is how you make the leap into the industry, which is arguably the first leap that is hardest to make. Yeah. So I went to Notre Dame. At the end of my four years, I did not know what I was doing. I did not know where I wanted to live. And then spring break of senior year, our career center like put on during spring break, a trip to LA. And they had us meet with like Disney and like agencies and like just people that took an hour out of their day to be kind and give us like a talk of like, this is what we do here at NBC, et cetera. And I, that was the first time I had ever been on the West coast period. And I was like, oh, well, this is where I have to be. If I really want to give this a shot, I definitely had a naivete. Like I think people were saying starting in entertainment or working in entertainment is really challenging. So it's not for the week. It's not for the week. You hear that a lot. And then I feel like I was just so young that I was like, okay, people can tell me that, but obviously like, it's not gonna be hard for me, which is spoiler, not true. So I didn't have a job lined up at all. When I graduated, I moved back in with my parents and started working. Like I was working two jobs. My dad was kind enough to like, be like, Hey, our company's looking for like an intern. He works in oil refining. And I was like planning their company picnics and stuff. And I was also after that working as a food runner in a restaurant. After that, I ended up living in Philadelphia for a year. And that's where I worked for the independent film distribution company and moved to LA with no job again, which was pretty scary. I would say. So I was applying to every kind of entry-level job that I could find online and got a job in the mailroom at a talent agency. I was like, hey, like, I've heard this is one of the ways to get your foot in the door and like, hopefully just be a sponge and take it all in. Then I moved on to be actually on a desk and be an assistant. I was at the agency for, I think all in all, it was like a year and a half. And then I came to the company that I am now. So yeah, I came here to OBB Media and I started as the executive assistant to the CEO who also like directs and produces a lot of our projects. And then I feel pretty blessed because then I was moved up to coordinator. Then I was moved up to creative executive. And now I'm development and production executive here. And I've been here for, it'll be five years in June. So almost five years, which is kind of wild. (laughs) Wild. And it's part of why we wanted to talk to you because it is a rare and meteoric rise. And I will tell you how I see it from the outside. But before I do, I want to just talk about what it is that OBB Media does. It's described as a vertically integrated content studio that is defining how a new generation of viewers consumes programming in layman speak. What does that mean? Yeah. So my spiel is like, basically, we're an independent production company. We make all kinds of content. I think something that sets us apart is like we're making content for tons of different kinds of platforms. And I think we really make content that's for a millennial and Gen Z audience, like younger. Like if I make an episode of something, I'm thinking about what is the clip on TikTok that comes from that episode that goes viral because 
frankly, most people would see that over the full episode in just the world that we live in. So we're known most for like premium documentaries, Justin Bieber's last three documentaries, a documentary with Demi Lovato, Dancing with the Devil, which is my first associate producer credit, which is very exciting. Also have like a podcast division, also do a lot of branded content. And that's something that I'm involved with as well. And that can be like traditional type of commercials or branded content to things that feel more organic. That is just a little sampling, I would say. Like I spearhead all of Hailey Bieber's content on her YouTube channel. And we have done like everything from holiday specials to like the I Heart Jingle Ball like broadcast on ABC. But also I'm not like above doing something for social, I guess. If you are one of our regular listeners, you have heard over the years about how pamper swaddlers were an integral part of my girls' lives when they were in diapers. That's because I always depended on swaddlers to make my life, well, easier. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. There's also the blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swaddlers have always given me ease of mind, knowing that leaky diapers were not in our future. And since I love swaddlers, they're always my go-to baby shower gift. Now, with the new Pampers Diaper Stash, gifting and receiving diapers is a whole lot easier. Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund where you, your friends, and family can contribute to a group gift of an online diaper stockpile. It's a gift that always fits. Take the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. Here's how it works. Create a surprise Diaper Stash account for a new parent or expecting parent in your life. Then, share the account with friends and family so they can also contribute. From there, watch your stash grow, and when it has reached its goal, give the stash to the parents-to-be. They can use the stash funds to buy Pampers, diapers, and wipes anywhere they'd like. For any new parents in 2024, the Pampers Diaper Stash is the best new way for friends and family to say, we got you. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Here's how your meteoric rise looks to me from the outside if I were someone who was trying to deduce what the lesson is from you, which is, to me, you took a risk because OBB is less traditional than being at Warner Brothers or, you know, being on a lot somewhere. And you positioned yourself in a place where the fact that you were of the audience that they were attempting to reach gave you a very innate sense of expertise. And I have to imagine that the duality of those things is part of what propelled you. I'm sure there was a ton of hard work. I'm sure you were excellent at what you do. From what I am hearing from you, you also work for people who are willing to promote from within, which is a thing that we cannot control as employees. I wonder first if that comports with how you actually experienced it and what you would tell someone else who's like, I don't want to get stuck as an assistant. I want to be an executive, but I don't know how to get from there to here. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I don't know if I looked at it quite that way. I think, you know, when I was leaving the agency, I had a huge anxiety of what, will I be able to get another job? Will anybody hire me? I was interviewing for lots of different types of jobs. But yeah, I was very anxious. And OBB was a very different company 
when I first joined to where I am now, where sometimes I even think like, I don't know if I would have gotten the job with the credentials that I had at the time if I was applying today, which is like an imposter syndrome kind of thought. But it's also just like, to a certain degree, I'm just like very aware of how much luck is involved too, and just like perseverance. But honestly, my number one thing, and it's also now something that I look at when I'm like looking to hire somebody is like, are you personable? Are you hardworking? And then also, do you think critically? Are you thinking critically? Are you like not just doing something like to get the task done, but like, are you trying to do it the best possible way? Are you thinking creatively? Is there a better way to do this? Is there a more efficient way to do this? Is there a way we can do this that's more fun for the audience? You know, you can apply that to like everything. You can apply it to just doing the miscellaneous tasks of being an assistant. And you can also apply it to just like content that you're producing. There's so much that I've learned over the years. I didn't have those skills when I first came, but like just paying attention. And I think it's a lot of it is just access. Like I was very lucky that my boss would let me be on a ton of calls and like, listen and learn. Like, what are his notes? How is he noting cuts? I would have never known how to note a single piece of video before I came here. And it's something that I was just blessed to be able to see and then really soak it in. Like, what's the benefit of like cutting this shot or adding this shot or doing this, you know? You don't even realize like that you're getting some of this knowledge until it's time to like put it into practice. And the other thing is just taking initiative. That was like a big turning point for me. And I remember we were making the Demi Lovato documentary and like, I was a fan from, you know, the Disney Channel days. So I was like, we are a small team. I would say we've grown a lot over the years, but I would still describe us as a small team. I remember I reached out to two of the producers and I said, hey, do you need any help with like research, anything like that? And the secret is everybody is swamped. So a lot of people will say yes if you offer to help them. And then if you do get that opportunity, you have to make sure you're doing a really good job because that's their first impression of you. So yeah, I took that opportunity. I did research. I ended up like helping write interview questions and being able to watch cuts and like give my opinion, give my thoughts. And yeah, I feel very blessed that I have a boss that was like, hey, you did a lot of work on this project. Let me talk to the network and fight to get you an associate producer credit. And he did. And that was my very first credit ever. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And yeah, from there, it was like, once you can be trusted to do one thing, I think it just built. (laughs) I want you, Raquel, to pull back the curtain for me on development, because you're talking about really huge stars, Hailey Bieber, Kylie Jenner, Demi Lovato. How does something go from concept to execution? And we're talking about stars at that level. How much of it is getting to know them, understanding their strengths and their talents, and then building around them? Yeah, I would say can come a variety of different ways. You can develop an idea from scratch or you can develop an idea that's like, oh, I know that this, if it's based around a celebrity talent, like I know this person's interested in X hobby and I'm going to develop from there. And sometimes like people come in with a nugget of an idea. It also just depends. Like if it's a branded thing, like then usually that comes a lot more directive, I think already from the jump. This is like what we want to promote. This is your budget. This is all, all kind of the parameters you have to work in. And then from there, it's being creative, whether they have a concept in mind or whether we're developing a concept from scratch. Like, how can we think of 
develop a fun creative concept, something that people would be entertained to watch. And anytime specifically with like a something branded, I always am thinking as an audience member of like, I don't want to be if I, like hit in the head with talking points or something like that. Like those bother me very much. Um, so I'm always like, well, branded content makes our content free for people to watch. So it's essential. And ideally you're looking for brands that get this person's vision that fit into the world that we can weave in in a very authentic and organic way. And I would say it varies. Like sometimes you get something that's like, wow, that couldn't have been more seamless. Sometimes it's a little bit of like more of an exercise to like get to that point where it feels good creatively, because I think just young audiences and millennial Gen Z, we're getting advertised to like 24 seven. And we know we're getting advertised to, and we know that we're never not going to be advertised to. If that's going to happen, then at least like, can it be fun? That's always also something that I have in mind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. I work at... MSNBC. I've worked in the past at HuffPost Live, which was the streaming network that was on the Huffington Post. I worked at Fusion, which was the ABC Univision station. So like a lot of like Latin stars. And a thing I have found very hard to teach is like how to be chill around celebrities oh. and newsmakers. <laughs> you know, I remember reading Barbara Walters' autobiography, and she talked about how the worst part of being famous is that nobody talks to you anymore about anything other than yourself. I wonder if someone who spends a lot of time with the biggest stars of your own generation, how you just like act normal. Wow. That's a great question. Cause I feel like I have to remind myself of to act normal sometimes, <laughs> but just in general in life. Um, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, everybody is a human being. So I try to keep that honestly top of mind. And I usually, if a celebrity is on set or around, they are a client or a potential client. So like I'm being nice, I'm being personable, I'm being professional, having confidence in what you're doing, like makes it much easier. If I'm like, Hey, I'm going to show you around the set and show you, this is what we're going to be doing today. The focus is less on like, oh my God, I can't believe Ariana Grande is standing right next to me. It's more like, she's a person, I'm a person. And like, yes, it's the on-camera talent and I'm not going to be like mean or crazy, but like, it's just important, I think, to keep yourself grounded and just be like a normal human being. Just, yeah, making them feel comfortable. Although there's definitely times that you get starstruck for sure. And, you know, but go home later and I'm like, wow, fun day. <laughs> Here's sort of the flip part of having a meteoric rise and having an executive title when you were very young, which is there are rooms you walk into where people are aware of your merits and your work ethic and your greatness, and there is nothing to prove. And I have to imagine that there are other rooms you walk into where people are like, huh, she seems quite young. Like, hmm, she's got 
a Latino surname. Like there were just things I was not prepared for when I was imagining an executive would walk in and how you, one, don't internalize that and two, how then you show up in those rooms. I feel like a lot of my, honestly, my self-doubt comes from myself a lot of the time. So because of that, I focus less on like, what could other people be thinking of me? But it's all coming from internal more than like external, I guess. Um, When I'm on a project, even if I feel like, wow, this feels daunting, this feels like a challenge that I'm not 100% confident in myself or I've never done this aspect of things, you have to learn very quickly. This like whole industry is all based in collaboration and nobody can do everything by themselves, period. I rely on so many people from crew to post-production to like just people here at the office. Like there's so many aspects to just make one project, even if it feels like the smallest, most inconsequential shoot ever. So I think the biggest thing for me is like, I've never been a person that's afraid to ask questions or afraid to like ask for help. And I think when it comes to also creative choices, there's an infinite number of directions. You can take things that also just asking other people's opinions and like getting other perspectives, I think is just like a key part of working successfully in this industry. Do you have like a, first of all, I wonder if you're a person who is like, likes to be in community with other Latinas. And if you have like found that in Hollywood, because there is a burgeoning group of like young producers, young writers that share some of that life experience. Yeah. My mom is from Spain. My dad from the States, but Cuban and Spanish. And like, I am fluent in Spanish. I've always been, but I've always lived places and gone to school places where there wasn't a lot of Latin people around. I look at every job I've ever had. I'm probably one of, if not the only one. And I feel like the restaurant's the only place that I'm like, yeah, the chef was Mexican. (laughs) Like, you know, but yeah, I think I try not to be too mindful of like, I'm the only one here and try to really focus on the work. But I would also say it like certainly comes in handy and gives me a different perspective than other people. And I also choose to look at that as like a strength because it is a strength, you know, and there have been times that, you know, we do this show for Spotify called the Billions Club, where every time an artist gets a song that passes a billion streams, they're inducted into this like playlist, they get an award. And we did one episode with Bad Bunny who has like 12 songs in the Billions Club. And that was a very exciting day for me because I am a big fan and like he wanted to do the whole interview in Spanish. And most of the crew, including the director, my boss, like don't speak Spanish. So I was like, great, I am here translating. So that was very cool. That was the first time on set ever that I've like been able to use that side of me. I look at that time and I'm like, oh, how do I do more of that? You know, I'm tapping into that side of myself and tapping into my culture. I'm almost directing, and not, but not quite. Like I'm still producing, but continuing to grow is a huge thing that I'm always thinking about. Raquel, what did I miss? Um, I don't know. I think, I think my biggest piece of advice for everybody is like, just to keep going because you'll always kind of feel a little bit like an imposter. Even when you accomplish something, you're like, I just did this cool thing, but like, can I do it again? It never, that self-doubt like never 
truly goes away, probably. It's always there. You just have to like reframe it constantly and keep persevering and keep going because the more you do things, the more confidence you'll get. Even if it's like a quiet confidence, even if there's new doubts that come in, then you're like, I've done hard things before and I can do hard things again. Raquel, thank you so much for doing this. I cannot wait to watch your Hollywood takeover. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Julia Galantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Virginia Laura is our producer. Kojin Tashiro is our lead producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or on threads and TikTok at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Every time you share this podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.